I know a lot about golf. It's time for those weekend golf guys. Well, we're waiting. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Here's John Ashton and Jeff Smith. It is us, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith in the golf cave at Timbergate Golf Timbergate Course. Today. It's uh, kind of cold, kind of windy. Right. And eventually today we're going to get to talking about how to play well when it's kind of windy. If you saw last weekend yeah. the uh, PGA Championship, they had they had a few problems with the wind at Long Island. You may have some chances yep. to uh, to play in some wind your own self this coming golf season. And it's not as bad as you might think. There's just a few adjustments you need to make, and Jeff knows what they are, and he's not going to keep it a secret any longer. We also have a special guest coming up a little bit, uh, Oliver Horovitz. You remember him? He's been with us um, about four or five years ago, I guess. He was the American caddy at St. Andrews. Wrote a very funny Yeah, what a good book that was. Yes, funny yeah. book. He wrote it. He is a great guy, and since then, he has been traveling the world for golf. He's played in Nepal, he's played in Iceland, he's played in Mongolia, uh, he's played in the desert of uh, Saudi Arabia. Everywhere you go, you make friends if you play cool. golf. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay, man, we have a Facebook Live that we did last week that you need to check out if you have not already. It was good, yeah. On finding your perfect ball position. Now, this is something that Jeff told me privately prior to doing the Facebook Live. I have played four rounds of golf since... He has explained to me how to find the perfect ball position. And I got to tell you, it works like a charm, as they say up in Boston. Works like a charm. It's wicked good. You got to try this. Listen intently. Pay attention. Go to Facebook.com slash Golf Guys and watch that video. It's about 42 minutes long. But what I have been doing personally since then is I no longer have my power draw. No longer do I have to aim 20 yards to the right because I know that ball is going to curve to the left. No, sir. I have been hitting greens in regulation. I have been hitting shots at flags, and I have been giving myself realistic chances for birdies. And um, the people I play with don't like it at all. <laughs> so they're going to go watch. The, they're going to go watch the video too, so that they can uh, get back to competing on an even keel. But check it out: Facebook.com/slash/GolfGuys. It is uh, last week's. Uh, live from the Golf Cave on finding your perfect ball position. Oliver Horovitz, the American caddy in St. Andrews, is going to be with us when we come right back. And we're coming right back. Hang out. Of course, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash golfguys. Facebook.com slash golfguys. If you guys haven't heard about Roan, you are really missing out. Let me tell you, Roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand. That's engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. Uh, it's an absolute necessity for guys on the go. And it doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or you're jumping on some international flight somewhere. These guys are your new go-to men's clothing brand. Roan, R-H-O-N-E. I'm going on vacation soon, and I can tell you I can get everything I need. I'll, I'll on the same website, Roan.com, because they have everything a guy needs. From premium shorts, shirts, tank tops, socks, underwear, swimwear. I mean, it's great stuff. They engineer clothing that's perfect for the office. They're perfect for long flights and commutes. And, you know, I'm going on vacation, which means probably at least one of the connections is going to get canceled. So it's going to be a long time hanging out in an airport. I got to get comfortable. They've just released their new commuter collection. And, man, I just went crazy on the website looking at this stuff. Uh, shorts. 
Yeah, have you ever had anybody ask you if your shorts, if you prefer a 9-inch or 11-inch inseam? No, me too. And, and the, the polo shirts are beautiful. The shorts, the, the pants, the pants, you can get them in snug fit. You can get them in loose fit. You get them exactly the size you need. Get them hemmed to your perfect length. And the shirts, the dress shirts, wrinkle-free. Yeah, wrinkle-free. No more, hey, John, you own an iron? I mean, whether you're sitting around or whatever. You know, these, this stuff's going to look good. For for the guys like us who go into the office in the morning, go play golf in the afternoon, then go out to dinner and, and hang out uh, for a few drinks after dinner, it's all the same clothes. Go to roan.com slash weekend. Do it today. Use the promo code weekend. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Okay. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Promo code weekend to get 20% off. Roan.com slash weekend. Promo code weekend. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Go now. Hey, we told you we had a guest. We got have we got a guest for you. You know what I'm saying? We had this this gentleman on about what was it, Oliver? About four or five years ago? I think so. I think it was in 2014. Yeah. And is it uh, Horowitz or Horowitz? How do you pronounce it? Horowitz. Vitz. Yeah. With with a V. It's with the bane of our existence getting called with the W. But you know what? <laughs> Whatever you want to call me is fine. Oliver Horowitz, and we will <laughs> we will remind you that this is the guy who left Harvard University one summer and went over to St. Andrews and said, hey, I, I can be a caddy. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try a Scottish accent, but they said, no, we don't think so. Similar to the New York accent, just a little harder to understand <laughs> instead of a little faster. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, but a lot has transpired between uh, then and now, and you've been back repeatedly, and they actually accepted you eventually as a caddy at St. Andrews. Somehow. Then, yeah. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. But I have read some stuff on what you've been doing the past four or five years, man. And you have, I got to congratulate you, Oliver. You have successfully managed to still not work for a real job. Exactly. Like, kudos to you, man. <laughs> well, it was funny because so the, the book I wrote about caddying in St. Andrews was called An American Caddy in St. Andrews. And it was kind of initially through doing book talks at different golf clubs that I sort of started, you know, sort of started being like, there's golf in very cool parts of the world that I did not know existed there. And I want to go and try to find out some of those, uh, some of those places. And so I did a book talk in Saudi Arabia Whoa. and, uh, they have sand golf there. They're not greens. They're called Browns. Iceland to the Icelandic golf association. And they have midnight golf where the, the, the tournament called the, the Arctic Open starts at midnight. Both rounds are at midnight because it's a 24 hour daylight. Yeah. And I, I started thinking, man, golf is not just Pebble Beach and Monterey Peninsula. You know, golf is, uh, golf is different things to different people in some really cool and exotic areas of the of the world that i had never been to so how many layers do you have to wear for the arctic open at midnight well, luckily Iceland? their summer is good their summer is nice i think I, we, it was 60 degrees in mid-june i mean they also they're playing you in uh in the basically i think it's the end of june this year june 21st it's going to be on mm -hmm. anyone can play in the arctic open by the way but uh, if you play, if you want to go there in November, good luck. It's uh, ice <laughs> and snow, and you know their golf season is like uh, it's like Maine. It's like two and a half minutes long. Yeah, I, I understand 
being a history guy, understand that was a great marketing campaign by Leif Erikson, uh, the Viking. Is that Ooh, yeah. Because he called Iceland Iceland because it was attractive and called Greenland Greenland because it was all ice. <laughs> exactly. And do you remember there was a volcano that erupted like five or six or seven years ago and it trapped all the flights, remember, yeah. all over Europe with yeah. stuff? The ash. They, cloud, they liked yeah. that volcano. Iceland was like, hey, that put us on the map. Everyone knows about Iceland now. Yeah, it keeps them. I'll and, tell you what, they have more what, courses per capita really? in Iceland for golf courses than any other country because they're a tiny, they have less people in Iceland than in Staten Island. <laughs> True story. Yeah, well, I grew up on Staten Island. That that would be a good thing. I mean, the pace of play problem is non existent there. <laughs> exactly. Some of these courses, you're probably the only person that shows up during the day. And the courses are really fun because you're playing, some of them you're playing on like near lava. You got these cool Icelandic birds called Kriya in one of the courses that attack you if you're in the rough. So you really, it's the best, uh, it's the best uh, encouragement to hit a fairway. That's awesome. <laughs> so when, when you're playing. I love that. When you're playing Saudi Arabia, do you, is every shot a sand shot or do you, do you carry a, like a, a grass mat around with you and just put it down? You carry a grass mat, exactly. You okay. play with an orange ball, a grass mat. It's 114 degrees at 9 in the morning. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I did this talk for uh, for Saudi Aramco, and they have uh, they have people that are on the base. They have this sand golf course. And it's incredible because the, the greens or the browns, again, are a mixture of sand and oil. So they actually check up pretty good if you get a nice, uh, a nice shot in there. You run really true on the greens. And then the hilarious thing is they have quote unquote water hazards. It's just <laughs> red stakes in the middle of, you know, the sand, but that's a water hazard. <laughs> and then if you're in a bunker, <laughs> you can't use your grass mat. So that's the only, oh, I, those are the only differences. <laughs> so do they have like sand just with a line around and say, this is a bunker, not normal sand. Exactly. It's a I little bit you. tougher of a, of a sand shot. And uh, I'll tell you, like the people that play there, they are obsessed because there's not a lot to do out there. You're in the Imagine. middle of the desert. Yeah. And I talked to one of the club members at Utilia Golf Club. I said, how many, uh, so how much you get to play out here? You know, how many days a week do you get out here? He's like, oh, you know, I play a little bit, you know, uh, usually eight rounds a week. That's serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, but they love it. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, uh, I, I go like 6,000 miles away and it's people that love the game of golf just as much as people in New York city. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of cool. And they would get in their car uh, probably once every two weeks, a couple golfers, and they'd drive to a different country. They'd drive to Bahrain because, guess what? There's a grass golf course in Bahrain. That's why they went, just to be able to play on grass. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. And, you know, having grown up in New York City and not being an avid golfer at the time, but now live like I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I sure. I can see one of my two favorite golf courses out my window i don't wow. live on the course per se but it's it, i can throw a rock or even a golf ball and hit it um i couldn't imagine being an avid golfer in new york city because a it's going to take you two and a half three hours to get to a golf course 
And B is you're going to have to have bodyguards with you to make sure all your clubs make it on the subway to the golf course when you leave. A lot of funny looks on the subway when you got golf clubs. (laughs) I can imagine. uh, Do you keep one in your hand? Do you keep one in your hand to fend off anybody who wants to come over and get close to you? I mean, make good weapons. Oh, my God. If you see another golfer with with golf clubs in the subway and the two of you have clubs at the same time, it's like seeing a a long-lost brother. (laughs) You almost want to hug each other on the subway. No, I'll tell you something. The... The public courses of New York City, and there are about 11 of them in the five boroughs. You've got four in Staten Island. You've got three in Queens, I believe. You've got Van Cortland up in the Bronx, which is the oldest public uh, course in the entire country, 1895. Babe Ruth used to play there. It's up Mm -hmm. in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. You have, I think, the best kept secret of New York City, these golf courses. And you go out there. Guys, I just played in um, uh, on Sunday uh, at... It was out in Brooklyn. It was called Marine Park. And I was playing with... I have played there. It's cool, right? It just had a great renovation four years ago. Guys, it is so New York City. I was playing in a group of 40 Nepali Sherpas. uh, (laughs) And we play tournaments. There are five five tournaments a year, obsessed with golf. You know, they're from the land of Everest. They've all come over here. It's the Sherpa Cultural Group. And... The GM I was talking to, Mr. Fabrizio, we're standing on the first. He goes, I love these guys. He goes, this is New York City right here. We got the most diverse golf course, I think, in the whole city. And you know what? That's what New York is about. And it's only fitting that the golf course is also every course diverse. You're playing with everyone under the sun. It's so cool. It, it is. You know, I played that a couple of summers ago. and we, My son and I went on a trip out to, out to the Long Island to play. And then we had nothing to do. We thought, ah, we'll go down to Coney Island, right? Because you hear about it. It's all famous and all that stuff. You know what? They, they got the greatest marketing department in the world because that is the most <laughs> underwhelming thing I have ever seen. However, on our way back to, to a little bit more of reality, we drive by this golf course. It's called Marine Park. Aww. So we're like, all right, let's go play. So we just pulled in and went out to play. We got hooked up with a couple of guys. One guy's a former uh, former military guy, and the other guy's a former basketball player, NBA basketball player. Mm, I love and it. I'm like, that means from back in the day. And here we are having a great time with just and learning and listening to these guys. What an exciting thing. And then all of a sudden, here's this few holes where you've got the Empire State Building and, and the the, the the big towers. That you can see, the, yeah. As the target, right? you got this one par three. I think it's, I don't know, seven or eight or something like that. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'll just hit it at the Empire State Building. That's my target. Exactly. How many golf courses can say that? Yeah, exactly. Right? I, you know, the, the you first, the, it's amazing. The first tee starter on Sunday, uh, a guy named Hal, Jewish guy like, like myself, and he worked in waste management for 30 years for the city of New York, and now he's the first tee starter. And he's like, Oliver, I've seen everything on this first day. (laughs) 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 Oliver Horovitz is our guest, and we are going to take a quick break and bring him back and bring you back, and everybody just hang out with us, okay? We're on this weekend, Golf Guys, and uh, we'll be right back. Are you a sales guy or a business owner? And do you use golf in your business? You should, you know. It's a great way to build a relationship much quicker and much more deeply than you can in a month full of business lunches. Really is. You can learn more about somebody in 18 holes of golf than, than, than you can any other way. Check it out. Make sure you do it right. We've got a place you can go. It's called thebusinessgolfcourse.com. 
got a freebie there for you to download on how to put together the perfect foursome to actually make a whole lot of money, a whole lot more money than you're going to make normally. It's the best way to make friends and influence people, if you pardon the expression. Golf for Business, thebusinessgolfcourse.com, the perfect golf foursome. You can get it for free. Just go there, thebusinessgolfcourse.com. One more time, the write it all out, one word, thebusinessgolfcourse.com. Thebusinessgolfcourse.com. And we are back. Those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. Oliver Horowitz is our guest. The uh, the American Caddy at St. Andrews was a book, and I probably botched that title badly, but uh, it came out as he, he made his claim to fame about four or five years ago and, and has been successfully avoiding real jobs ever since and has been doing various and sundry things within the golf community. And, you know, it's pretty cool. Man, he first off, book. being at St. Andrews, for the number of summers that you were there, you must have met a huge amount of people who can only do good things for you in life. And now you've, you've been traveling all over the world, talking about golf, playing golf, meeting golfers. Cushy gig. I thought I got a cushy gig when I came up with this idea, but man, you have bested even me. Again, congratulations. Uh, it's fun. fun. I love to travel. I love to play golf. I love to talk to people. Well, there you, you go. Can, <laughs> you can you can see it's a pretty it's a triple triple hit right there. Yeah, um, and you actually make a living doing it. So there you not go. Not a great living, but enough to enough to afford the next flight, which is all that that's, all that really counts. That's all that matters, man. You know, we do this show for free golf, so you know we we can relate to that. <laughs> exactly. So la last August was probably one of the more fun trips I've taken for golf. I went over to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Uh, for a golf magazine piece about the Mongolian National Open. And I played in it, full contestant in the Mongolian National Open. Mm -hmm. The winner and the second place finisher, if you're Mongolian, actually get to go and play in the um, Asia Pacific Games, which if you win that, you go to the Masters. Whoa. So okay. theoretically, this is your like local qualifier to get into the Masters, and it's in Ulaanbaatar. <laughs> <laughs> local for some of you. But how'd you do? It's a very young game, very young sport in Mongolia. And by that, I mean the first golf course was only built there in 2003. Okay. Um, most of the players in Mongolia have been playing about five years or six years or seven years. Now, they've gotten really good in that time, but there's not many golfers under a five handicap. I think there's 18 golfers in that field of the Mongolian National Open under a 10. Mm. So I used to be 1.8. I'm you know, nowhere near as good as Jeff, but I used to be able to play a little bit. I'm on the flight over for this magazine article. I was sort of thinking, hey, I could, like, outside shot, I could win this maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It's a national open. This is cool. So I get over there, so excited. I've got my caddy, Kishki. She's, she's just looking at me glowingly like, oh, I've got this American guy who's good at golf. This is going to be great. Guys, I came 43rd out of not many more than 43 people. <laughs> And I, uh, I started with a nine on the first Oops. hole, and it went from there. I shot 108 in the opening round of Mongolia National Open. I finished 86 shots behind the eventual winner. That is really bad. That's really bad. It was, it was horrifyingly embarrassing. I mean, do they design golf courses differently over there, or is it just a cultural thing, or your caddy giving you bad advice, or what? My one excuse is I was jet lagged. It's a 12 hour jet lag. I got there the day before. That's a pitiful excuse. Okay. Second thing is because it's Mongolia, right? There's just like, it's macho. We are outdoors. We are, it is the national championship for golf. So 
they had us off the tips at 7,300 yards with rough that was sort of like a jungle and everybody <laughs> off the tips is like an 18 to a 25 handicapper. It was crazy. The first hole I go into the rough, I'm the only one stupidly wearing shorts. First hole, I get stung by nettles in the right-hand rough. I'm in tremendous pain. I'm like, this is why I don't wear shorts. I'm playing with the secretary and the general secretary of the Mongolian Golf Association. They have to look for my balls for me the whole round because they're so nice there. They start getting stung by nettles. I'm thinking I'm about to get booted out of the country in five minutes. It was the most fun trip I think I've ever taken in my life. And by the way, anybody can go and play in the Mongolian National Open. Anyone listening can play in the 2019 Mongolian National Open. Just go on their website. Just Google Mongolian National Open. It's August 2nd to 5th this year. You can literally hop on a plane to Beijing and switch over to Ulaanbaatar. You can literally sign up this year for the Mongolian National Open. And that's what's so exciting for me mm. is all of these cool like extra alternative bucket list golf things. I like discovering those and then telling my friends about them and you telling been? other people, look, you don't have to go play Pebble Beach and spend 2000 bucks for one round after you've stayed there. You can hop over to Mongolia and do something that your buddies will be jealous about forever. Are you, have you been invited back? <laughs> I was invited back because oh. I think they like the the you know the free money for someone who's not going to win the tournament. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was oh. wonderful. I, I the coolest thing now is I have you know I went over to Nepal a couple of years ago to cover golf in Nepal and was playing Himalayan golf there. Mm. Royal Nepal Golf Club in Kathmandu. There's hundreds of monkeys running around the golf course and. <laughs> You're playing on, on holy land for two holes of Royal Nepal because the fifth and sixth hole are on the grounds of the largest Hindu temple in Nepal. So you are literally playing on holy land. Oh, wow. Just knowing that I have friends now in Nepal, in Mongolia, mm -hmm. in the Australian outback, from all of these you know silly little golf magazine articles I'm writing, it's very cool. And I would encourage people to go and try some of this stuff because going to a place like Nepal, for example... You jump down into Royal Nepal Golf Club, 11 seconds walk from the international airport in Kathmandu. It's just across the road and you're on the first tee of the oldest golf course in Nepal. It is a way of stopping being a tourist and starting to become part of the fabric of the community. It's yeah. such an amazing, weird way into these cultures is through this like shared obsession with golf. And it's a real thing, believe me, because they meet Americans who love golf. And the Mongolians, the Nepalis, the Australians, the Icelanders. It's like, you know, it's like meeting your other brother who plays golf. It's very cool. It kind of cuts across all kinds of cultural lines almost immediately, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I've been doing lately is because I'm not actually not going back to St. Andrews this year. I've caddied there 11 summers, but I won't be back this year. It's because I'm hosting this show now called, uh, called Caddy Codes mm -hmm. for NBC's Shop with Golf. And for me, caddying has always been about being in awe of the other caddies. Like when I, my first day in the St. Andrews Caddy Shack, I'm looking around at the old Scottish guys. I'm thinking, this is the bastion of golf expertise right here. These guys are the experts. Yeah. So the show Caddy Code sprung from that of saying, man, there's all this expertise in the world of caddying. There's so many stories, but there's also so much stuff we can learn from these great caddies. And so in this show, which is 10 episodes, I kind of, you know, we planned it out. I go around the world of caddying and I try to, you know, pick the brains of some of the coolest caddies out there. Fanny Sunnison was one of our episodes in Sweden. You can see that one. We went to Beth Page and did all the, 
did a day with all the local caddies at Beth Page. And one, one fun plug for one of the caddies there. This is kind of cool, guys. Jack Miller was one of the guys in our episode at Beth Page. Mm-hmm. He was the only local caddy to get taken for the PGA Championship. He oh. got taken by Jazz, Jane Watanan from Thailand, who you may have heard about. Mm-hmm. And not only yeah. did, he, did he do well with, with Jazz, they almost came second or third in the thing yeah. up until the last couple holes. So very cool to know that Jack Miller, my buddy, was out there in the spotlight for a very well-deserved PGA Championship. Where can we see that show, man? Oh, yeah. You can just Google Caddy Codes. It'll send you right there. Okay. Or you can go to NBC's Shop with Golf. It's the new site they launched through oh, NBC. Cool. And, uh, and we got six episodes up there right now. Although it still would be fun to see a little Jewish boy from New York City showing exactly. up at the Masters Tournament as a representative as the winner of the Asia-Pacific Games. Exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe I need to get uh, dual Mongolian citizenship because I think that's my entry route. <laughs> I don't think I'm finishing top 30 or top 50 in the world to get the invite that way. To yeah. <laughs> Got to do what you can do, man. <laughs> well, you know, as, as we were talking about jazz, I had a friend of mine, for a matter of fact, friend of the show, Mr. James Hong. Mm-hmm. James was one of the volunteer golf professionals on the driving range. Oh, cool. uh, I think it was on Wednesday. Jazz is out there practicing from 630 in the morning until 1230 PM, six straight hours. He walks off the range. Obviously, your buddy caddying for him is walking yeah. with him. And James looks over there and goes, so uh, so you done? <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice to be 23. There you go. It definitely paid off, didn't it? What a what an event that was. Sure it was did. Fun, tried, really fun hearing all the announcers trying desperately to pronounce his last name or quickly YouTubing uh, – interviews with him to figure out how the hell to pronounce the yeah, last the TNT announcers practice from 6 30 a.m. to 12 30 in the afternoon just to pronounce exactly. his last name exactly I did uh, I, I think that. I got yeah. it down pat what Jane what we'll be hearing that name a lot yeah it's kind of falls trippingly from the tongue you have to sing it almost exactly but. if we get if we get time there's one person I definitely want to shout out real quick from someone I met on my travels do we have a minute to we do talk about- shout right. away this is the coolest story I've heard since I've since I've started doing these weird golf adventures. I met Pratima Sherpa in uh, in Nepal back in 2016 when I was there with my buddies Miles and Vlad. You may have heard of Pratima now, and I, I hope you have. She's 19 years old now. She was 16 when we met her. Number one female golfer in Nepal lives in a shed on the third hole of Royal Nepal Golf Club. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I make that up. He lives in the no. shed. Her parents. Have I've heard there. of her. I've seen the story. I've, I've read. I've read a little bit about her. I think there might have even been a video. Correct. Uh, about ESPN her. did yeah. a feature about her last year. I was one of the producers on that. Um, for anyone who who doesn't know about Pratima, please Google Pratima Sherpa. She is going to become the first ever female professional golfer in the history of Nepal. She just had a very cool thing happen last year. She met her hero, Tiger Woods. Mm. Tiger literally heard about this. Oh, one of the founders yeah. of, uh, one of the donors, sorry, to the Tiger Woods Foundation hooked it up. Pratima had a full lesson with Tiger Woods down in Florida. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is so cool, man. So I was cool. standing 10 feet away. Everybody was crying. We're looking at this girl who has been beating five irons in torrential rains during monsoon season in Nepal, comes from absolutely nothing. And guys, that is inspiration right there. She represents hope. She represents courage. And she is the hero to the entire Nepali community of New York. And guess what? She is my hero, too. Oliver Horovitz, the uh, American caddy at St. Andrews. 
who has just described to us what you can do with golf. You got a bucket mm -hmm. list. You want to meet people. I mean, play this game, take your clubs, go anywhere you want to go. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll, I'll see you in Mongolia. Yeah, we'll be there right, anytime, man. <laughs> we'll, Thanks, we'll, guys. We'll go so you won't embarrass yourself so badly next time, okay? <laughs> That's good. Oliver, thanks a lot, man. Hang out. We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hey, you want to know how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith is? Check it out. $5golfclub.com. Use the number five. It's $5golfclub.com. If you guys haven't heard about Roan, you are really missing out. Let me tell you, Roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand that's engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. Uh, it's an absolute necessity for guys on the go. And it doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or you're jumping on some international flight somewhere. These guys are your new go-to men's clothing brand, Roan, R-H-O-N-E. I'm going on vacation soon, and I can tell you I can get everything I need all, all on the same website, Roan.com, because they have everything a guy needs. From premium shorts, shirts, tank tops, socks, underwear, swimwear. I mean, it's great stuff. They engineer clothing that's perfect for the office. They're perfect for long flights and commutes. And, you know, I'm going on vacation, which means probably at least one of the connections is going to get canceled. So it's going to be a long time hanging out in an airport. I got to get comfortable. They've just released their new commuter collection. And, man, I just went crazy on the website looking at this stuff. Uh, shorts. Yeah, have you ever had anybody ask you if your shorts, if you prefer a 9-inch or 11-inch inseam? No, me too. And, and the, the polo shirts are beautiful. The shorts, the, the pants, the pants, you can get them in snug fit. You can get them in loose fit. You get them exactly the size you need. Get them hemmed to your perfect length. And the shirts, the dress shirts, wrinkle-free. Yeah, wrinkle-free. No more, hey, John, you own an iron? I mean, whether you're sitting around or whatever. You know, these, this stuff's going to look good. For, for the guys like us who go into the office in the morning, go play golf in the afternoon, then go out to dinner and, and hang out uh, for a few drinks after dinner, it's all the same clothes. Go to roan.com slash weekend. Do it today. Use the promo code weekend. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Okay. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Promo code weekend to get 20% off. Roan.com slash weekend. Promo code weekend. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Go now. And we are back. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave. Wind. Yeah, wind. I know. We got it everywhere. Wind. Can't see it. That's a problem. Yeah. But there are telltale signs. In fact, if you're a sailor, yeah, you know what a telltale is. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know, interestingly enough, I, I, uh, um, I was working with a guy the other day, and it was a perfect day to talk about how to deal with the wind and how to adapt and, and, you know, we, the conversation came because he said, look, I'm lousy on windy days. Mm -hmm. You give me 75 to 85 degrees and sunny and no wind, I'm going to have one of the best rounds of golf. And at that point, if those are the only rounds of golf that he counted, he'd be, you know, probably a better than a 10 handicap. Mm -hmm. But because he plays in like weather that we all play in, yeah. springtime, fall, whatever, you know, that he deals with some bad weather and some wind and some rain and whatnot, which in turn turns him into a 20 plus handicapper. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. So we're talking about this and he's like, I don't know how to judge the wind. I really don't. And so we stepped outside the golf studio 
and it was a relatively windy day, what I would call a two to three club wind, right? All the golfers that are listening to the show, most of you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. If you are into the wind, it's probably going to take two to three more clubs. For example, a pitching wedge now all of a sudden becomes an eight iron or seven iron shot into that amount of wind. Right. That's what I'm talking about, right? Sure. Yep. So he's like, well, all right, so how do I look here? What do I, what am I, how can I tell? We can't see any wind. I'm like, okay, but we can look and see the tops of the trees because the wind is far more powerful up high than it is at ground level. So we look at the tops of the trees. Those things are about 30 yards or excuse me, 30 feet up in the air, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You look at that and you're like, okay, these big mature oaks and elms and all these, you know, these, these large trees that we have on golf horses. And you look at the tops and if you just see the, you know, the, the leaves are just kind of fluttering a little bit, just barely moving around. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to move much, but when you start to see the, the leaves blowing quite a bit, and even if they were the, the twigs at the top were bending, now all of a sudden you're talking about enough that's really going to affect your golf ball. You can look at the grass on the tops of mounds. You could look at the grass on the ground. You could look at whether your pants are fluttering. You could feel it, John. You could feel it in if your mustache was blowing around. <laughs> right? But there are things that you can tell by being observant. And if you look out across where your ball's about to land. And this is the important part. If you can see far enough away to take a look at what are the trees doing downrange? Because yes, there's wind and chances are good that, that it's going to be, you know, affecting the golf ball flight, but mostly where your ball's slowing down. Doesn't that make sense? Mm -hmm. right? does, yep. So if ball's moving, it's, a, it's up there at its peak. It's starting to slow down. Look at it halfway in the ball flight to a little bit beyond. Because that's the wind that's truly going to affect the flight more so than anything else because the ball's moving slower. Make sense? Yes. All right. So that's the paying attention to it part. Then there's that adjustment, right? So let's say you could tell pretty good wind going on. How do we adjust? Because most people think, well, wait a minute. You know, let's say it's a 125-yard shot and it's into the wind. And they're like, oh, I hit my pitching wedge. That's 125 yards. John, what do most people do when they think 125 yards? that they hit their pitching wedge that far? Don't they just go and grab their pitching wedge because, by God, they're going to make that pitching wedge go 125 yards into this wind? Isn't That's, that what they think? They'll just swing harder. Not a problem, yeah, right. man. Now, you know, here we are talking about lofted clubs, right? And you know that the harder you hit a golf ball, the more it's going to spin. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can kind of get the picture already. I'm going to swing harder with a, a lofted club, so it's going to climb high and it's going to spin more, and I'm hitting into the wind. This is that shot. You've hit it. I've hit it. We've all hit it, and we all laugh at ourselves after we get mad when it comes down short. <laughs> but it, it shoots up high into the air, and it floats, and it just hangs there, hangs there. laughing at you. And comes straight down. Yeah, right. it, it comes straight down. <laughs> 20 yards too seemingly short. Seemingly coming back at you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Seemingly coming back at you, uh -huh. right? Isn't that what you have? Yeah. And, and of course, it'll happen over the water. You you know it, and I know it. <laughs> right. It's going to happen. There's a pond in front of you, and you are still choosing the club on a calm, windless day. You're still choosing the club that you would have to pure just to get it onto that green, right? Because yep. that's you know the basic guy's ego. He's going to do it no matter what. But the truth is, is that if I said, hey, John, 
go put your eight iron in your hand or your seven iron in your hand. You'll look at me like, no, I'm stronger than that. (laughs) I'm stronger than the wind. It won't affect my little bullet going out there. No chance, right? (laughs) Right. You're going to look at that and you're going to go, man, it's too much club. Here's how to deal with this. Trajectory is the main thing that we're trying to control here first. We're trying to keep the ball under the wind because we know the wind is stronger above the tree line. So it gets about 30 feet up in the air and that wind is up there. That's a whole lot stronger than the wind that's on the ground level. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not trying to bounce it along the ground and we're not trying to hit it knee high or waist high or head high, but we are trying to keep it well below the tops of the trees. So what we're going to do is we're going to purposely get more club because it has less loft. And then we're going to manage the distance after that. How? But hear me out. Okay. The trajectory is the first choice here. All right. All right. You've got to lower the launch angle and trajectory, and also it lowers the spin rate. So it won't climb as high. So now we're going to sit there and go, okay, how do we manage the, the distance? Because if I took a seven iron or an eight iron, when I normally have a pitching wedge in my hand and I've got this two to three club wind, how am I going to manage that distance? Because these things are just going to go too far. First, we know that the wind is going to slow your ball down. We know that already. Mm-hmm. But we're not really sure how much it is, but we're going to know that. It's going to be a piece of the puzzle here. Okay. But a major piece of the puzzle here is going to be we're going to widen your stance and we're going to get you a little bit more stable in the lower body. And when we widen our stance, we don't rotate as much. And when we don't rotate as much, we, our arms don't go as high. The club doesn't get as high, doesn't go up to down as much. And what we're going to do is we're going to widen out our swing arc. Our arms are going to travel wider back, but they're not going to go any higher than our shoulders. And then they're going to go down and shallower and they're going to go forward, no higher than our shoulders. So we're effectively hitting what we like to know as a punch shot or a knockdown shot, but we're going to do it with a little wider stance. What we've just done is slowed the club head down while still being able to hit it at what we are swinging at our own full effort with our own regular speedy tempo. You know, let me just jump in here. One thing when you say, yeah. you know, you take your backswing no no higher than shoulder high and your follow yeah. through no higher than shoulder high. A lot of people have a tendency right. to use like a putting stroke to do that. You still do the whole wrist movement in the in the You do. All yeah, that we're trying to get too. our hands. Yeah. So our hands only go a shoulder high. Yeah, but it's not like right. the so, club only goes shoulder high. Right. It's right. the it's the hands right. go shoulder high, right? right? Up to, you know, up to the, up to the shoulder, but wide and then down and forward and then cut off the backswing or the forward swing too. Now we realize, okay, here I am talking about a forward swing. The ball's already gone, right? Yeah. But this overall motion slows the club head speed down. Right. Here's why. First, we didn't give it as long a swing as normal, which means it didn't have that much time to build up more speed. Right. That makes sense? Yep. Okay. We've still managed to make the swing match our own body's personal tempo. Right. We're not trying to slow it down by not um, by, by changing our tempo. We slowed it down 
by getting a little bit extra wide in the legs because then they provide more stability, which we like in the wind anyway. Right. But if we go extra wide, we wind up not being able to generate the same amount of speed because we are losing some of our turn and we don't take it back as far and high. Make sense? Yep. So now we have this club in our hand that is essentially too much club and we did something that alters its speed. So I talked about two things already in one in the stance, we widen that out and one that we're essentially making a shorter golf swing, but yet it's still feeling just as powerful, just the same tempo. Mm -hmm. So just that alone, we've lost about three to four miles per hour in our club head. Okay. Now remember, we've already lowered the flight of the golf ball. So it's going to launch lower. Mm-hmm. We've because of more or less less loft, right? Sure. Yeah. It's also going to spin a little bit less, so it won't climb as high into the air mm-hmm. because we've taken a little bit more loft. Now we've also widened out our stance, so our swing will not be as long, so it doesn't have as much time to generate the amount of club head speed we normally generate with that club, and then we're swinging it so our hands aren't even as wide so all these things add up to already i got one more thing we're going to do but in this in this thing we're already reducing the club head speed but we're not trying to swing softer right and when we reduce the club head speed if we reduced it by one mile an hour just one we would be losing about three yards of carry distance per one mile an hour. But yet all this that I just mentioned would reduce the club head speed by about three to four. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden we're talking about about nine to 12 yards of distance decline, right? We've mm-hmm. In what I've mentioned so far, so we've already got about a club, club and a half less in flight, but yet I still got to hit it hard. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, it does. Now we got one more alteration in this whole thing that's really going to be successful. And that is? We're going to grip down on the club about two inches, which for a lot of people is close to three fingers worth from where you normally grip it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I say three fingers worth, the width of your your first three fingers on your hand, your, right. your pointer finger, your, your middle finger, and your ring finger, if you put them together and you stuck them on the butt end of the club, and then you, that gives you about how much you'd grip down, do it about that much. It's a couple of inches. Okay. And now we've reduced the swing arc, right? So we got a little wider, so we're a little lower, but now we're going to be holding effectively a short-shafted 8-iron or short-shafted 7-iron. And we will have reduced the loft by by taking the more club. Now we're reducing the length of the shaft. Right. So we're reducing the swing arc, which means that we're also reducing the speed by another three to four miles per hour. So now we're talking about you put these things together, and now we've talked about about six to eight miles an hour drop in club head speed 
yet you still feel like you're making your full swing. Making a full swing in the six to eight miles an hour would translate translate into how many yards on average? Well, we're we're talking and now we're talking close to twenty here, aren't we? Okay, yes we are. That is cool. Yeah. So now you know. Yeah. And I'm That's gonna right. ask Jeff a quick question, which I'm sure is going through your mind right now, is what the heck do you yeah. do if the wind is behind you? And we're gonna ask that when we come right back. If you want the answer, yeah. come back with us. Mm-hmm. We are those weekend golf guys, don't you go away. Okay, I'll be real quick about this. If you play golf, if you are in business or if you are in sales, you know how important it can be to take your clients out to the golf course and do some business. Do it right, though. Check us out. We've got a free download for you on how to put together a killer golf foursome for business. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Are you a sales guy or a business owner? And do you use golf in your business? You should, you know. It's a great way to build a relationship much quicker and much more deeply than you can in a month full of business lunches. Really is. You can learn more about somebody in 18 holes of golf than, than, than you can any other way. Check it out. Make sure you do it right. We've got a place you can go. It's called thebusinessgolfcourse.com. We've got a freebie there for you to download on how to put together the perfect foursome to actually make a whole lot of money, a whole lot more money than you're going to make normally. It's the best way to make friends and influence people, if you pardon the expression. Golf for business. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. The perfect golf foursome. You can get it for free. Just go there. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. One more time. The Write it all out. One word. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Okay, I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. We are those weekend golf guys. Jeff is telling you how to play in wind, hitting into the wind. You got a two-club right. wind at your back, buddy. Do you make the same yeah. adjustments? How do you do that? I'll be quick about this. I know we don't have as much time here, mm-hmm. but what I'm going to say is, hey, look, let's think about this in terms of we're no longer fighting something. We were fighting something going in, but now it's helping us. I do want to drop down those two clubs, and I still want to strike it solidly. I'm not going to reduce any speed or any of that stuff. I'm just going to drop a couple of clubs. So if I'm at an eight iron distance, normally I'm going to pull out the pitching wedge and I'm going to hit it hard. Okay. Like I normally hit it hard. Right. I'm not going to try to hit it extra hard because I'm trying to cover the distance of an eight iron with a pitching wedge. But the one thing I'm going to be careful about is the fact that a lot of clubs don't launch the ball. Well, they launch the ball very high and if the, the wind is harsh lower, a lot of these times your ball will get up in the air and then the wind will knock it down a little too soon if it's not struck solidly. Gotcha. Okay. So if you hit it softly, the ball will be floating a little bit up and then the harsh wind downwind will effectively knock it to the ground a little sooner. So you make sure that you strike the downwind shots solidly. This is a problem a lot of people have, John, because they are thinking in their head two things. Number one, I'm taking less club because the wind is behind me and it's going to help my ball. And then they've done all they need to do at that point. But a lot of people make the mistake of redoing that same thought while standing over it going, I'm going to hit this a little easier because the wind is going to help. It just gets knocked to the ground. Real quick, yes or no question, okay? So. Because we're running out of time yep. here. I've got a two-club wind at my back. I am a pitching wedge away. 
if I don't, I can't go down two clubs now because I'm already at the basic end of where I'm at. Can I use the technique of gripping down a couple of inches on the handles and only swinging with my hands to shoulder to shoulder, like with the other into you the wind? Because it'll, yeah, it'll knock the ball down. Mm-hmm. Okay, it won't get it up into the wind, right? And that's a good thing. But right. don't just hit it. Don't hit it really hard at that point. Okay. I think yep. we need to do a video on this. Maybe maybe the next live from yep. the golf cave can be on this. We'll uh, we'll, we'll either wait for a That's windy day idea. or get a big fan. You know? What can I tell you? <laughs> Thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Check it out. Anytime you miss a show, you can catch it there. Follow us on Facebook at uh, it's facebook.com slash golfguys. If you can't do anything else, go play some golf. <laughs> <laughs>